Welcome to the Mission Daily. I'm your host, Chad Grills. I'm joined by Ian Faison, and it's a beautiful day here. What's up? Chad, did you know that the man on top of the mountain didn't fall there? Did, who's uh That's a Vince Lombardi quote. Oh, nice. Solid quote. Leave luck to the side. And this is about agency and how to produce whatever you want by looking at yourself and what you're up to uh, as a function. This is part two. Part one was yesterday of the function that produces whatever you want. And or in today's if episode. If you're listening, if it's a Monday, then you're listening on Friday. Well said. Yeah. The uh, sorry, sorry to keep you waiting over the weekend. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about inputs, outputs, and how to identify functions that you want to emulate and maybe you want to model. And so the Vince Lombardi quote, the man on top of the mountain didn't fall there, is kind of um, kind of a, a good way of looking at this at this episode because in order to get to the top of the mountain, you have to have enough inputs to create the output, which is you want to reach the top of the mountain. And the right gear, the right uh, guides, everything. The right training, the right, all of that. And the output that whoever it is, if you're climbing a mountain, that that's what you want to achieve, right? But for the person who's maybe a novice climber, that they should have people or things that they want to emulate because you you don't know necessarily what inputs you even should be taking to get to the top of the mountain. Definitely. And I think it just starting to look for the type of outputs that you want to emulate or the type of uh, functions, people. So what, so you can think of functions as the people, the teams um, that are producing something. And there's a great, great quote to kind of act as a guide here by Marcus Aurelius, who said, a man's worth is no greater than the worth of his ambitions. And ambition is something that's crucial here because uh, we're traditionally told that ambition is something to be very cautious of. And I, I don't think that's a good idea. I think you want to be overly ambitious, especially when you're uh, picking the functions and outputs that you want to create. There's no there's no harm in being overly ambitious like 99% of the time. Uh, it's not really as much of a risk as your lizard brain or monkey mind might tell you. <laughs> um, it's usually something that uh, the type of thing where you shoot for the moon and uh, end up in the stars. <laughs> One of my favorites. Or however the quote goes. Um, so how do we get more hyper-specific about what we want to create and where we can look to find, uh, where it's been done before? So I have a question. Shoot. Is, do you think that this is something where people work backwards from someone that they want to emulate and then try to figure out the outputs that they want and then the inputs that would go into that? Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think it's um, it's really a, a process that isn't going to be, it's really hard to even talk about verbally. It's something that writing it down on paper and going through scrap page after scrap page of um, listing like ideal, you know, people you want to emulate or companies you admire, and then getting really, really specific with uh, why you want to, or basically like why you admire them, what specifically about them or what they've done is uh, inspiring to you. And really try to discover what it is because it's through that process of active imagination. That's what Carl Jung called the process of figuring out like what your creativity and what your impulses are uh, all about. And so he, so Jung basically advocated this process of being quiet, sitting still, and just letting yourself daydream and kind of coupling that with a uh, process of writing down what you're thinking about, what your thoughts are. So I think that as you pick out say three to five 
uh, people or companies that you want to emulate, then just start the process of active imagination and active writing where you're listing out the specifics of why you admire them and um, really just explore it and do it on paper too. Because when we're on a computer, it's so easy to you know, go from tab to tab or get distracted. But if you're on paper, if you're separated from technology, you're going to be forced to yeah, really explore those uh, those things at length. So what's an example of this? Give us an example of like how you would do this in practice. So I would pick pick out, you know, in a previous episode, I mentioned that there were uh, eight books that I had pinpointed that are going to be really necessary to create the uh, outcome that I, I want for the mission from a company standpoint later this year. And I picked these out because each of the individuals I'd done some research, um, they had created a piece of this puzzle. So the larger goal was, say, to uh, get our first 12 clients. And I picked out these books because each of the writers had, I felt, discovered a new way to sell, to get clients, um, to retain them, and then, I mean, really turn that into you know, a, a cohesive group of Kind of like a foundation for the company. So, so this is really interesting. So what you're saying is that you kind of like are setting a goal for yourself or like I would like to and whatever, if whoever is out there that wants to set something like I want to build or I want to I want to go on a I want to go on a trip across Asia, for yeah. example. Right. Um, because I think that that would be really helpful for my spirit and mind or whatever. Sure. So maybe how they would they would do that is they would take eight people who like eight people throughout history who had really interesting stories or experiences in different parts of Asia. They would put all those different things together, the eight different countries maybe that they wanted to visit. And then they would try to figure out, okay, if, if that's what I want to do, if those are the eight people, then I'm going to learn all of this stuff about those people so they can kind of build their own roadmap. Exactly. So case in point with the Asia example, you could combine some things from history and maybe the most notable people who have traveled around Asia. So you can do the history side. So look, just look at like autobiographies or, you know, browse through Wikipedia, uh, or maybe you want to do something that's more contemporary. That's what I would do. So I would blend history. So kind of like tradition with emerging, um, leaders or travelers or travel bloggers. So if you have a favorite travel blogger you follow, start to just get into some of the the nuts and bolts of how they're doing it, how they're funding their travels, how are, how they're thinking about uh, their gear, what they're taking, that type of thing. Um, maybe go into celebrity examples or uh, whether it's like Ewan McGregor, who famously took a motorcycle trip around the world with his father. Uh, he's a British actor. It's been in like Star Wars, train spotting, a couple other films, and he took a motorcycle trip around the world. Um, Asia was a big, uh, you know, obviously like a long portion of that journey. And so you could get as specific as, you know, checking out, okay, why did he use a BMW GS1150 motorcycle? And Did and he gear? actually use that? I think so. How yeah. do you Every, know Everybody that? uses that bike. I, I don't know. I just I tend, to rem- <laughs> tend to remember everything. <laughs> but that's so... That but, is so, so but now that you know that specific piece of gear or tech, you can start to reverse engineer, okay, how much does that cost to rent a month or whatever? And then it just starts to come out of the realm of a dream into the realm of, no, this is something that I can piece together and it's not going to be a dream. Now that I've established that it's possible, I can uh, basically make it more probable through my actions, through my planning. And if it's something where maybe that person through their experiences crashed or maybe as they were driving through 
whatever, Hyderabad or something like that. They crashed their motorcycle because they weren't familiar with the driving or something that yeah. you could glean some insights from that and be like, okay, well, in order to have a successful trip, I don't want to, you know, crash and die on a motorcycle. So I need to make sure that I'm prepared for this type of terrain or this type of thing. And then you can actually prepare for that stuff. Yes. Yeah. Well said. And Thanks, whether man. it's, um, yeah, but that whole idea of looking for where other people crashed so you can avoid it is um, so underrated. That's so many. It, you have to dig for those examples because people don't want to talk about them. But those are the things, the missteps, the uh, the big risks or blind spots, um, especially in books. That's what's so valuable about books is because they're so long by nature of it. Not every chapter or every paragraph is going to be sensational. There's going to be a lot of... Uh, disclosure in there, if you will, for failures and, you know, missed opportunities and stuff like that. So George Orwell famously said that autobiography is not to be trusted unless it reveals something disgraceful. And those are the things that you want to zero in on when you're thinking about who to emulate, what type of function you want to create. So basically like, uh, you know, you're only as strong as your, your weakest place or the team's only as strong as this weakest link type thing. Um, looking for those type of, uh, risks and trouble spots is, uh, yeah, something great to keep in mind. A lot of times you see startups or entrepreneurs saying that they want to build the Airbnb, but for blank or <laughs> or whatever it is, whatever thing du jour, yeah. uh, the Salesforce of blank. I think that is another thing that kind of gets a bad rap because people are like, well, you know, sure. you know, you need to create something brand new. And I agree with that. But there's lessons that you can learn from the failures of a lot of those companies and founders and different sort of people. Yeah. And you could take, for example, like Netflix has a, that famous culture deck. Yeah. I mean, that's the, a great example of a function because everybody's interested in building a better culture, relationships, yeah, totally. or friendships. With their, yeah, family. And so the thing is, you don't need to jack Netflix's culture. If you're, let's say, if your output that you want is you want a better, you want to build a company with really good culture. You should go read that deck for sure, but you can use that as one of your barometers to it's, say it's one of your inputs. Because at the end of the day, the experiences that you've had are vastly different than the people that created that report, than the team at Netflix, and it's literally so different that when even when you're going through it and you're worried that oh my the thing I'm going to create is going to be derivative, it's going to be exactly like this culture doc, it's not going to be. You could literally try to copy it, and you're like. Yeah, I mean, of course, I'm not advocating plagiarism or anything like that. But just through considering it, you're going to inevitably put your own spin on it. <laughs> That's the thing with like humans. We are uh, mimicking machines. We tend to mimic everything. But at the same time, we also make things new. Even if it's only like just a small, small variation or change, um, we can't help but adding a bit of our own novelty or inspiration to to things like that. So this is something like the idea of digital mentors, where yeah, yeah. it is people there are people Picking out, out there. an ideal and then just studying the the character traits the habits everything that went into it and i think that people when they try to find these digital mentors i think they get caught up a lot of times in trying to be that person i wrote a or i listened nope didn't do either of those i read <laughs> a crazy piece today on someone who was trying to emulate the life of Carrie from Sex in the City. She just wrote this really long piece that was pretty crazy about I how hadn't published that yet. How'd you how'd you find that? <laughs> uh, just um and how like you know Sex in the City ruined her life and she was a socialite and all this sort of stuff. But um and she, uh, from all intents, it looks like she's gonna get raked through the coals for this piece too. Um 
But the idea, <laughs> number one, which there's truth on both sides of this, is it's it takes a lot of intestinal fortitude to come out and be like, hey, I patterned my life after a after TV a show. And that was really, really stupid. And TV like show. I grew up as an adult and I learned a little bit. It's actually kind of what we were talking about in the previous episode about, um, about you know, state. I'm sorry. We do, we definitely don't advocate structuring your life over a fictional um, t- yeah, TV characters but, but episodes. We, but at the same time, though, that's pretty interesting. And that's definitely brave that uh, she would do that and then not only do it, but write about it and admit to uh, she was that. she was a love uh, not love expert. God, um, she was a she was a columnist and she yeah. wrote a dating column forever. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, for a long time. And so. Anyways, the reason why this stuff matters is because one, she changed her mind, she changed yeah. her outlook on life, and she chose the wrong digital mentor. And she not only that, a fabrication of a of a human being, sure, right, uh, who was created by someone else. Yeah, an amalgamation of twelve to twenty four writers in the writers' room, and uh, yeah, yeah. And so, and what would have been the better person for her to choose as the digital mentor was not Carrie, the character. It was the woman who created. Carrie, yeah, based off of her experiences, if that would have been the smarter choice, because then she created a television show that was a smash hit. Well, that, that's a great example too of like why this process is so important is that you can you can fail, but you're going to get new information in the process. So maybe you don't realize your initial goal, but you're going to emerge from it with new ideas, new insights that you wouldn't have already had. And I definitely like I, I commend her wholeheartedly because the first step to getting that function that really does produce whatever you want is to be foolish and be uh, foolish publicly. I think the more you can get comfortable with picking silly things like that, writing about it, getting laughed at, the better you're going to you're going to be able to endure the setbacks and everything so much better as you as you move forward and uh, pick new digital mentors, new ideas and to emulate. So that's uh yeah, really cool thing to leave everyone with so don't be afraid to be foolish when you're uh, building the function you want and we'll see you next time on the mission daily thanks so much Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.